Welcome to Drop Pass Podcast, you absolute beauty. 13th episode underway, and I guess you already know what's coming if you listen to the previous episode. But in case you don't, go check that one out before you start listening to this episode, just so that you don't miss any big trades or signings from the other 13 NHL teams. Today we'll go through the remaining 19 teams that we didn't focus on last week and I'll end today's episode by touching up on few new signings from teams that we went through last time which happened in between these two episodes. But first of all I have to address the elephant in the room since I guess you all should know by now. Lionel Messi is no longer property of FC Barcelona, believe it or not. PSG acquired another superstar for free and their other free agent signings have been no names like Gianluigi Donnarumma and Sergio Ramos. Add to that Wijnaldum and Hakimi who they got this summer as well and dude, this is starting to become a major joke. This team plays in the Farmers League and if they won't find themselves in the Champions League finals next year, I'll rename the franchise to BSC, biggest scam of the century. I guess injuries play part in it, but on paper, it's an absolute wagon. And I promise you we're gonna see some new PSG fans next season. And feel free to toss some breadcrumbs at them, because they are total pigeons. Despite me anticipating a contract extension, league came in between the team and the player. And so ended one of the most known collaborations of the 21st century. On the other football news, Jack Grealish will wear the sky blue colors next year since he transferred to Manchester City for a record fee of 117.5 million euros while Chelsea completed the signing of Romelu Lukaku from Inter for a fee of 115 million euros. Also Aston Villa put those euros in use and bought Danny Ings from Southampton and Leon Bailey from Bayer Leverkusen as replacements for Jack Grealish. While Inter also replaced Lukaku with Bosnian striker Edin Dzeko from AS Roma. Harry Kane could also still be on the cards for City, so big moves could still happen during this window, even though the top leagues start already this week. But now that we've covered all the football headlines, let's continue right where we left off last time. So, without further ado, let's get going. Alright, let's start this bad boy. The first team certainly hasn't been the most entertaining activity-wise, but nevertheless we need to check how they're doing at this point of the summer. Like I said, the Islanders have been a bit of a letdown in a sense that there hasn't been lots of movement on their roster front. I see why so few changes has occurred during the offseason and we're very close to advancing to the finals but at the end Andrei Vasilevsky was just too much for their offense. Still they have to work out deals with Anthony Beauvillier who has established himself as a very solid top six option for the Islanders and also their Russian netminder Ilya Sorokin is still without a contract. They have 11 million in cap space to get those deals done but I would be shocked if their GM Lula Mariello wouldn't add anything to get the team over the hump. 
Their biggest move so far was extending top four shutdown defenseman Adam Pelek to an eight-year extension worth 5.75 million, which was more than deserved. And the deal is very favorable to the team as well. So no bad business in the island, but expect moves to be made. When it comes to the Devils, they haven't been extremely busy, but they have certainly bolstered their troops compared to last year. First, they invested in goaltending and signed Jonathan Bernier to a two-year contract worth 4.125 annually. And then they signed a big boy contract with the biggest free agent fees on the market, Dougie Hamilton. He put his signature to a seven-year paper worth 9 million per season, so... Now they have two defensemen earning $9 million per year, but P.K. Supan's contract will end next summer, so that will be end of it. We'll see what kind of an impact he can make in New Jersey after extremely solid seasons in Carolina with very high production levels. They also got Ryan Graves from Colorado before the expansion draft, so at least their decor finally looks solid enough to make an impact. In addition to those two, they also addressed their forward core when they signed Thomas Tatar to two-year 4.5 million contract and he is expected to play heavy minutes on their top two lines with either Nico Hichier or Jack Hughes. They have 13 million in cap space and they just signed Janne Kuokkanen to a two-year 1.825 million deal so they have maneuverability in case they still want to add to their current roster. Overall, it will be extremely interesting to see if the Devils can finally find themselves in the playoffs next season, since we've been waiting for their playoff appearance for a few years now, and previously, they've let us down because of miserable regular season performances. I could be wrong, but this time it certainly seems as they should compete for a playoff spot with their current roster already next year, but we'll see, because we've seen this movie before. Nashville was one of the teams that really took a hit this offseason. First, Victor Arvidsson was traded to Los Angeles. Then Kalle Jarenkruk was picked by Seattle. Right after, Pekkarin announced his retirement. And finally, Ryan Ellis was shipped off to Philadelphia. At this point, it is hard to see where the Preds stand since they have few very unfavorable contracts on their books. And overall, their core seems fairly weak. Not counting Roman Yossi, Matthias Ekholm, Philip Forsberg and restricted free agent Jose Saros. They don't have top talents other than Yossi and Ryan Johansen's and Matt Duchesne's contracts don't meet with their production and the roster is overall all over the place. Still, they have some upcoming talents on their ranks waiting for a breakthrough, which quite honestly is still miles away from impactful results. Don't expect them to be on the top of the Central Division with likes of Colorado and Winnipeg, but despite that fact, they tried to somewhat strengthen their squad in the free agent period. First player to arrive was goaltender David Reddick, who joined Toronto at the deadline, but is now headed to Nashville to back up USSRs after Pekkarin announced his retirement. By the way, I have to congratulate Pexi on an absolutely amazing career. He is hands down top three best Finnish goaltenders ever and will most certainly find his jersey from the rafters of Bridgestone Arena at some point. 
Riddick signed one year 1.25 million contract which could be a bargain if he finds his game in Nashville. I highly doubt it but I've seen even crazier things happen. Mikael Grundlund also received a payday from the Preds when he signed a four-year deal worth 5 million annually and defenseman Dante Fabro was signed to a two-year extension with 2.4 AAV but like I said there are still questions looming around the Predators because seems as they are trying to quick fix their roster the way Rangers did but I can hardly see those kind of results in the near future unfortunately. Hopefully they could be contending next season but if not the Shane Wright lottery ticket would be beneficial for the organization. I would be very surprised if they made any major moves this offseason but more likely could be a major player in the deadline. We'll see what happens in Tennessee. Montreal, just like Nashville, is a huge question mark for me coming the next season. They weren't supposed to be in the finals this year, but still they found themselves fighting the Bolts for the cup. The unfortunate thing is that their captain Shea Weber will most likely miss the entirety of the next season, and overall his career is in doubt at the moment because all of the injuries he suffered during the postseason and even before the season started. This will be a huge blow to their whole team and adds to the uncertainty of their direction after a finals appearance. Add to that the fact that Carey Price underwent knee surgery a few weeks back and while he should be ready for the start of the season, it usually never is as it seems and you have to keep in mind that he battled with hip injury in the postseason and we overall know about his injury troubles. But nevertheless, they have young upcoming players coming into their roster and they also added few pieces from the free agent market. First, Cedric Puckett signed a one-year deal and then they added scoring prowess to their lineup when they signed blessed goal scorer Mike Hoffman to a three-year contract. This will be a boom or bust type of contract for the Canadians since he has been a reliable goal scorer in the NHL but his defensive numbers are nowhere near where they should be. He also had one of the worst years of his career last season so the hope is that he can bounce back and contribute goal scoring which the Habs have been clearly lacking. Also knowing the fact that Weber will be out of their lineup they had to come up with some kind of a replacement for him so they signed new Stanley Cup champion David Savard. They also acquired Chris Weidman from the KHL, added two-way presence Matthew Perrault to their lineup and signed Arturi Lehkonen to a one-year deal with 2.3 million cap hit. They're currently in a cap trouble and still have to sign Jesperi Kotkaniemi so few changes could happen before the season starts. Hopefully the young guns are ready to take the next step because the Habs really need it if they want to fight for a playoff spot next year as well. Minnesota haven't done much in the offseason other than buying out Jack Parisi and Ryan Suter. They have 19 million in cap space but they still have to find a way to sign Kirill Kaprizov to a big contract and Kimi Fiala who is also bound for a pay raise. Other than those guys they have their core intact and the depth additions of Dmitry Kulikov, John Merrill and Freddy Gaudreau bring options to rotate their squad during the season. Their only big acquisition was defenseman Alex Goligoski, who got one-year contract worth $5 million next year, who was acquired to fill Carson Zuzi's spot on their blue line. Other than that, 
if they can sign those two previously mentioned offensive threats, they should be headed for a playoff spot next season. LA has added few decent pieces to their core in the offseason, and their rebuild seems to be complete by the looks of it, and they will try to fight for a playoff spot in a relatively weak Pacific division. They don't have much cap space available for them at the moment, but all of their most notable players are under contracts, and they even signed Leas Anderson to one-year extension alongside their first-round draft pick Brent Clark, who earned himself an entry-level contract. Their big-name additions this offseason so far have been forward Philip Deneau and defenseman Alexander Edler, and currently they have a good mix of youth and experience in their lineup. Deneau got the contract he wanted, and he signed for the next six years with the Kings with annual cap hit of 5.5 million. This though seems like a reach to me since Deneau is 28 years old, and they already have likes of Anze Kopitar and Gabe Villardi on their center spot, and upcoming centers Quinton Byfield, Jared Anderson Dolan, Alex Turcotte and Rasmus Kupare are waiting for their chance to break into King's lineup. Seemingly, their GM Rob Blake has the situation under control, but I was surprised by this acquisition nevertheless. We'll see what their lineup looks like on the opening day. Florida has been busy resigning and trading guys this offseason, and we've seen Florida has been busy re-signing and trading guys this offseason, and we've seen them strengthening their squad even more from last year. First, they signed Gustav Forsling to three-year extension worth 2.66 annually. Next up was Anthony Duclair, who signed a three-year, three million extension with the Panthers before the expansion draft. And after those events, they locked Sam Bennett to four-year deal worth 4.425 annually. But those weren't the only signings though, since last year's deadline acquisition Brandon Montour was signed to a 3-year, 3.5 million deal. Last year's standout Carter Rehage earned himself a 3-year contract extension with 4.17 million annual cap hit. And finally, a few days ago, they resigned Sam Reinhardt to 3-year, 6.5 million deal. And after that move, they are right at the cap ceiling. Frankie Batrano has been surrounded with trade rumors the past year and he could be on his way out since they probably would want some wiggle room to operate with when the season starts. Their roster overall is very competitive and once Aaron Ekblad is back in the action, they should challenge for the division title if their goaltenders come through. Real contenders in my books and favorites to challenge for the Atlantic division title as I said. But that's not all. I just received a message to my earpiece from my producer saying that Joe Thornton has signed one-year deal with the Panthers so seemingly Jumbo wants to win and that's a win for both parties. And then we arrive to Edmonton who has been very busy this offseason. They started it by extending Ryan Nugent Hopkins to an 8-year extension with 5.125 annual cap hit. If you ask me, that's already a good deal in my eyes. And right when I get to praise the Oilers, they extended Mike Smith for the next two years with 2.2 million cap hit. Bro, the guy is 39 years old. And although he had one of the best seasons of his career last year, he ain't getting any younger. 
This could blow up to their faces already next year if his body starts to crumble. So another gamble by Haaland which at this point shouldn't surprise no one. Then they seemingly preferred defensive liability Tyson Berry instead of Adam Larson, and he signed three-year deal worth 4.5 annually. And on that same day, they also acquired Cody Cece, as I previously mentioned. Zach Hyman was also acquired from Toronto, and veteran Derek Ryan arrived from Calgary. Both Ryan and Hyman were good additions, but Cece's contract was a gamble to say the least. He got a four-year deal worth. 3.25 million and boy if he makes me look dumb during the next few seasons I am willing to order his jersey from NHL.com you have my word. Ryan earned himself a two-year deal with 1.25 annual cap hit and for his defensive prowess that's a very favorable deal for the Oilers. And when it comes to Jack Hyman good business all around. You weaken one of the league's favorites and you get extremely serviceable top six option to your lineup who will most likely play on McDavid's wing and I promise you he will produce. He signed a seven year deal with the Oilers and was a huge addition to their lineup. In addition to those two they locked up Warren Fogle who they got in trade for Ethan Bear and also quite recently signed their number one D-man. Darnell Nurse to an 8 year deal with 9.25 annual cap hit which is a lot given the fact that he isn't as good in their own zone as you would expect. The guy earns more than Hamilton and Hedman and is he that good? Simply put, no. He's very good don't get me wrong but the money these free agent defensemen earned this summer is mind boggling. Not Eric Carlson type of money. Good job, Sharks. But holy do these guys earn their pensions. Fogel at least took a paycheck he deserves. Three years, 2.75. And Oscar Clefbaum will be in long-term injured reserve, so they might get some compensation to their cap space, but it could still be thin when you have to sign Kyler Yamamoto to a new contract. Mac Jesus will most likely record something out of 200 points next year so they should be fine until the playoffs no defense or goaltending needed yep thanks for coming but if that doesn't happen expect Connor to leave a trade request on Holland's table which will guide him to an early retirement sayonara buddy what's next for Stevie Y you might ask well there's Jack Eichel available so I wouldn't be surprised if he pulled him to Detroit in exchange for a few Kit Kats and a coupon to Little Caesars to be quite honest. They already stole Alex Nedeljkovic from Carolina and Pew Suter from Chicago plus signed Tyler Bertuzzi, Michael Rasmussen and Jakub Vrana to extensions. Nedeljkovic signed a two-year contract worth 3 million annually Suter got a 3.25 million deal for the next two years and Bertuzzi earned himself two-year extension with 4.75 annual cap hit. They also quite recently signed Jakub Brana to a three-year contract extension with 5.25 AAV and acquired defenseman Jordan Osterley as a free agent who will earn 1.35 for the next two years. So overall it's looking brighter for the Red Wings. 
and they still have over 20 million in cap space to work with and only remaining players to be resigned are Adam Ernie and Philip Ronick. So I'd say they are in a decent spot when it comes to their rebuild and the addition of Nick Letty to their back end was another smart move by Iserman. They also have a few very exciting prospects coming into the NHL in the next few years so expect another Tampa Bay-esque ascent from the Red Wings. We'll see what kind of rabbits he can still pull out of his hat this offseason. But if not, I'm very excited to see Moritz Sider and Lucas Raymond in Red Wings uniform. Dallas Stars have been somewhat active this offseason and few of those moves have been fairly questionable to be honest. They started this summer by extending their young stallion Miro Heiskanen to an 8-year contract extension with 8.45 annual cap hit. Later on added defenseman Ryan Suter to their blue line to replace Jamie Alexiak and finally added bought out goaltender Braden Holtby to their crease. The biggest question mark currently is their goaltending though since now they have four goaltenders signed to contracts who have played decent amount of games during the few previous seasons. Ben Bishop who will likely make his comeback next season, last year's starter Anton Hudobin, youngster Jake Odinger, and the previously mentioned Braden Holtby. They signed Holtby to one-year contract with two million cap hit, which makes me believe that Hudobin might be on his way out before the season starts. I'm looking at you, Buffalo. Trust me, you don't have any NHL-caliber goaltenders. They could go with the tandem of Odinger and Holtby from the start, and if Bishop comes back, they could use Holtby as a trade bait, since Bishop has still two years remaining on his contract. The other questionable decision was the signing of Ryan Suter to a four-year $3.65 million deal, which could end up becoming tough asset to move if his level starts to drop even more. The dollar amount isn't the frightening factor here, but rather the four years he was signed to, since after all, the guy is 36 years old and his legs are not getting any faster. While he is still very efficient in his own end, because of his positioning, his production and foot speed have been decreasing quite tremendously in the recent years, and only few selected players are able to play on this level when their legs start to give out. I won't take anything away from Suter since he has been undoubtedly one of the top defensemen in this league for years now, but the age just doesn't come alone, and once his contract runs out, he will be 40. At least, I don't know many players that are able to play for that long, not mentioning Jumbo, Deno Chara, or Yarmir Yager, but with less minutes he could be very efficient second pairing penalty kill specialist for the stars. But nevertheless, he will add another very strong piece to already strong defensive core in Texas. Yanni Hakampa also became part of the Finnish Mafia with three-year 1.5 million contract and also Joel fucking Kiviranta, thank you Antti Mäkinen, was signed to a two-year extension with 1.05 AAV. Those were all the moves so far by the stars, but like I said, something could happen before the season starts, so come back in a few weeks to hear if they already made changes. 
The Blue Jackets have been sneakily strengthening their squad during the offseason, even though you could argue that the loss of Seth Jones was a huge setback. I could be wrong, but at the end of the day, 9.5 million for 8 years is a hefty price to pay, especially when you had to sign his D partner to a similar contract. They started the offseason by extending Patrick Laine for the next year with 7.5 million sheet, and after that became the extensions of Boone Jenner, Jake Bean, Jack Wierenski and Andrew Peake. Jenner signed a four-year deal with annual capit of 3.75. Bean, who was acquired from Carolina, earned himself a three-year deal with 2.33 annual cap hit. And like I mentioned, Jack Wierenski was extended for the next six years with $9.58 million cap hit. Both D-men are very similar when it comes to offensive numbers, but arguably Wierenski has been the more consistent one of these two. Last year, Jones was a liability defensively, and he had the worst season of his career, without a doubt. While Wierenski is three years younger than Jones, and that alone is a reason to keep him, instead of the right-handed counterpart. The two extra years could become a huge factor in Jones' contract, if he keeps declining, which I doubt. But I'm expecting that he will bounce back from the previous season, and become this plus 50-point blue liner we know he can be. But when it comes to free agent acquisitions, the Blue Jackets have only made one so far, and that player is Sean Corrali from Boston Bruins. He signed a four-year deal with the Jackets and will slot into their bottom six very nicely. He won't give you extreme offensive numbers, but is very effective on the forecheck as well as in the own zone, so good depth addition from GM Jarmo Kekäläinen. They still have 10 million in cap space, so if necessary, they could make some moves before the season starts, but don't expect anything drastic. The Avs are in win-now mode, and all of their off-season moves reflect that. Their core is in place, and they have few contracts coming due after next season. The two big extensions began their off-season. Kale Makar, 6 years, 9 million AAB and their captain, Gabriel Landeskog, 8 years, 7 million per year. Those two guys had to be locked up and Sakic made it happen so that they could challenge for the cup the next few years as well. Next year will be crucial for them since Burakovsky, Kadri and both of their netminders will become free agents, and the year after they have to sign Nathan McKinnon to a big boy contract. So in conclusion, the cup has to come to Colorado in the next two years, or they might have to start retooling once again. They have all their core pieces, Landy, Randanen, Makar and Gerard sign long term, so if it doesn't happen, they could become contenders very quickly with their young prospect pipeline, but their chance is now. Ryan Murray was acquired to bring depth to their blue line with a one-year 2 million contract, and the addition of Darcy Kemper was a must after losing their starter Philip Grubauer to Seattle. Nassim Kadri is currently the question mark since he has only one year remaining on his contract, and youngster Alex Newhook is starting to creep towards their top six with relative pace. Kadri could become a trade bait during the season, 
since he has been on the trade rumors for a few years now and his contract is running out like I said. They only have 2 million in cap space at the moment but if Eric Johnson remains on the LTIR his 6 million cap hit could become available for the Avs but we'll see what happens when the season starts. Favorites in my books without a doubt. Chicago is for sure the black sheep of this league because of their off-season moves and their current roster. They haven't been extremely active in the off-season, but the few moves they've made have been big. Their free agent acquisitions have been Jujar Kara, Jake McCabe and previously mentioned Seth Jones. And add to that, they got their starting goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury from Vegas in an absurd trade, which I covered in the previous free agent episode. The addition of McCabe to their blue line was a good move by their brass, and he has been silently one of the most underrated players in Buffalo during the past few years, and will bring his physical playstyle to Chicago as well. They currently don't have any cap space to work with, mostly because of Kane, Taves, Flurry, and Jones, and next year, they have many RFAs to sign to contracts. Taves' comeback will be a huge deal for them if he is fully recovered from his injury and the roster is by no means bad but I can't wrap my head around their current situation since Kane and Taves are starting to age and their core is nowhere where it was in their cup runs. This means that they are in a very weird place where you could see them contending for a playoff spot because of their moves, but still it probably isn't enough to battle for the cup. So do they think that the rebuild is over and they can start their last push towards the cup before Kane and Taves are beyond their prime? Or was this just desperate move by their organization to get them fighting for a playoff spot once again? We'll see what comes out of it, but as the last quote, I have to say that it was sad to see Duncan Keith leave Chicago. But when you look at this contract and the way he has regressed in the past two seasons, it was a smart strategic move to ship him elsewhere when you got a decent return for his services. Carolina is in a good spot. They got their core intact and they have 12 million in cap space. The only remaining free agent is Andrei Svechnikov who will be signed to a contract without a doubt and they've added depth all over their roster. For starters, they resigned Jordan Marknook to a three-year deal worth 1.8 million annually and then went ham in the free agent market. Freddie Anderson, two years, $4.5 million AAV. Tony D'Angelo, one year, one million deal. Ian Cole, one year, 2.9 million AAV. Antti Ranta, two years with 2 million cap hit. And finally, Derek Stepan, one year, 1.35 million contract. Like I mentioned in the previous episode, they overhauled their goaltending situation and go to the next season with tandem of Andersen and Ranta, who both have suffered from injuries in the recent years, so there's a question attached to that. They let go of Alex Nedeljkovic and Peter Mrazek and to my eyes this seems like a situation where the leadership wasn't satisfied with their performances in the playoffs since they had a solid roster but couldn't find a way to beat the champs in the quarterfinals so they decided to change the whole orchestra. 
it will be interesting to see how the things pan out for them since both goaltenders have had their struggles but at their best they can be very good puck stoppers in their own rights. Ian Cole's addition was also very decent since he has been solid performer for both Minnesota and previously Colorado and has established himself as very effective top 6 defensive defenseman with ability to play in the top 4 as a complementary piece to more offensive minded partner. More so surprising signing was the addition of Anthony D'Angelo, mainly because of his reputation and last year's altercation with his teammates. The deal is one year prove it kind of deal, so if it doesn't work in Carolina, it doesn't hurt much to bury him in the minors either. He clearly has all the tools to be an NHL defenseman, but the mental side seemingly isn't there. But now he has the opportunity to prove doubters myself included wrong and prove that he can be the point producing right-handed defenseman every organization wants. Hopefully he'll learn something during the past six months without professional hockey, but if not, expect to see him in the KHL in the next few years. The Canes are in a place where they should contend for the cup, but the loss of Dougie Hamilton could end up being detrimental for them. Because now they are missing their number one defenseman and power play quarterback. I think they are still lacking in the physical department, so I don't see them as cup favorites at this point. After all, the playoffs are a completely different animal, so overall it will be make it or break it year for the Hurricanes, since they have many players becoming free agents next offseason. Calgary is in a place where retooling could be ahead of them if they won't make it to the playoffs next season. Matthew Kachuk, Johnny Hockey and Andrew Mangiapane will become free agents next summer and the current core hasn't been able to reach the heights they were expected to reach. Currently, they have Dylan Dubé, Nikita Sadorov and Yusuf Valimäki as RFAs so they need to use the 11 million in cap space to lock these guys up to contracts. Losing their captain Mark Giordano to Seattle in the expansion draft was a huge blow to the team, and currently they are hoping that their young players can step up to fill the hole left by Giordano, but those are big shoes to fill, and overall their defense looks a bit shaky to me. Their only free agent signings were Trevor Lewis, and Blake Coleman, and to be honest, the Coleman signing could end up being a huge albatross, since he was signed to a six-year deal with 4.9 million annual cap hit. That to me is way too much for a middle six winger with good but not great analytics, and I just can't wrap my head around the decision to pull the lever on this deal. They could be headed towards a rebuild, and some big names could be available at the deadline if they don't reach playoffs in a fairly weak Pacific division. What do I even say about this organization at this point? Year after year, they disappoint, and quite frankly, there's no end in sight. They shipped out almost everyone that had four limbs attached, except for Victor Olafsson, Colin Miller, and their young guns. And oh yeah, Jack Eichel is on his way out of town as well, so it's looking real bright for the Sabres. 
To cap up all the players that have left the organization during the last six months, Eric Stahl, Brandon Montour, Taylor Hall, Curtis Lazar, Rasmus Ristolainen, Sam Reinhardt, Linus Olmark, Carter Hodden, and Jake McCabe. So I would say that there might be something wrong with the organization since their rebuild has been an absolute catastrophe. I mean, what do you guys need? You, I'ma say had, your franchise center in Eichel, since he will leave no matter what, and now after draft, you have two top-notch talents on your back end in Rasmus Dalin and Owen Power, and the goaltending position ain't looking terrible either. I don't know what to think of this organization at this point since they have been the laughing stock of the NHL for years now, and there doesn't seem to be an end in sight, like I said, so would suck to be a Sabres fan at this point. Who even desires to go there now that the whole team is in total shambles and quite honestly is lacking the vision for the future because their previous endeavor went extremely well as you can see. The rebuild still continues though and their big free agent signings have been Vinny Hinestrosa, Craig Anderson and Aaron Dell so far. Yep, more of that unfortunately. I mean... I would like to see them succeed, but at this point it seems that all hope is lost and another rebuild is inevitable. We'll see what they get for Eichel, but otherwise we will probably check on them ahead of the next year's draft lottery since the odds are on their favor to grab another franchise-changing center to their roster. Hashtag poor Shane Wright. And after that rant, we head to Boston, who has been quite busy this offseason. Their biggest loss so far was the departure of David Krejci, who decided to head back to Czech Republic and to add to that, Tukarask's future is in doubt as well, so it could be a challenging year for the Bees. They currently have only 1 million in cap space, but have their core in place for the next season. First, they signed Brandon Carlo to a 6-year extension worth 4.1 million annually, then extended Taylor Hall for the next four years with 6 million cap hit and finally resigned Mike Riley to three-year deal with 3 million AAV. And when it comes to free agent signings, and when it comes to free agents, they weren't silent on that front either. Linus Ulmark was acquired to their crease with four-year deal with 5 million AAV. Nick Folino was signed to a two-year deal with 3.8 million cap hit. Also, Dev forwards Eric Haula and Thomas Nozek were signed to two-year contracts. And finally, they made somewhat questionable move when they signed rugged defenseman Derek Forbert to a three-year deal with three million annual cap hit. As I mentioned previously, the money these players have been getting this offseason has been bonkers. And this contract shows it once again. Because like we've seen with Nemeth, Goligoski, CC and Alexiak, the price is pretty steep to pay when it comes to big defensemen this year for some odd reason. I mean, he's not a liability defensively, but his offensive numbers are just nowhere to be seen. And even though to me it isn't as bad as, for example, what the Oilers gave to CC, this could be another bad contract which the Bees might end up regretting. 
the 1 million won't be enough to keep Rask if he decides that he will return next year so some moves need to be made in order to do that. The tandem of Ulmark and Swayman isn't bad, don't get me wrong, but either of them is nowhere near the pedigree of the Finnish netminder. Jakub Sporel and Jake Debras could be on the move, so expect some changes before the season starts. The penultimate team of this episode is the Arizona Coyotes, and for them it's rebuilding time without a question. They've taken some bad contracts on their books and added draft picks and prospects to their pipeline while doing so. They have plenty of UFAs coming off their books next year which will eventually help their rebuilding process. They are not in a rush to make things happen and their new GM Bill Armstrong has already started to fix the leaks that former GM John Jacob left the organization with. They've been active during the offseason as you probably have noticed but most of their moves have been in the trade market and their only free agent signings have been Dimitri Askin, Ryan Zingle, Travis Boyd and Carter Hutton from the dumpster. Connor Timmins was also signed to an extension but overall it's a work in progress across their roster. They have young talents coming up their ranks and we'll see next summer which path they will choose when it comes to deciding on quick retooling or total rebuild since they will have a plethora of cap space to work with next summer. Christian Dvorak could still be on his way out of Arizona but other than that expect to see new faces in the desert next season. Next up for them as well the NHL 2022 entry draft. And then we arrive to the final team of this walkthrough, the Anaheim Ducks. Their rebuild is in progress as well and most of their contracts are pretty favorable except for Adam Henrik and Jacob Silverberg, who still got three years remaining with over 6 million cap hits in total. But other than that they are in a good place in regards of their contract situation and have maneuverability to make changes next year if necessary. They haven't done any free agent acquisitions so far but rather resigned their core players. Ryan Getzlaff, Maxim Comtois, Max Jones, Isaac Landestrom and Sam Steele to contracts and have about 14 million to work with in their cap space. This is another team whose rebuild is currently in progress as I mentioned and in few years I could see them fighting for a playoff spot with strong goaltending and top tier talents such as Jamie Drysdale, Trevor Zegras, Jacob Perot, Lucas Dostal and recently drafted Mason McTavish ready to take the spotlight. They've also been linked with Jack Eichel but until it happens hold your horses since they are in a good place currently with their squad. And to round things out I promised I would mention few signings from teams that we went through last episode since there were few big re-signings between these two episodes. Oli Ulevi earned one year extension with the Canucks, Ross Colton as I expected signed a two year bridge deal with the Bolts and a few days ago Neil Pionk was signed to a four year extension with 6.5 million annual cap hit. This was a key signing by the Jets but they still have to find a way to sign Andrew Kopp while they don't have any room in their cap space. On that same note, three young goaltenders earned paychecks as well when first Igor Sesterkin was signed to a four-year deal with annual cap hit of 5.66 million 
And on that same day, his fellow Russian native Ilya Samsonov signed a one-year 2 million contract with the Caps. And currently they are right at the cap ceiling. So pressure on the team rises to compete for the cup next year again. Because their core is really starting to age and the window is slowly closing on them. The last player I will mention in this episode is Carter Hart who put pen on the paper and signed a 3-year bridge deal with the Flyers worth 3.98 annually. They now have 4 million in cap space and Travis Sandheim still remains unsigned. While looking at what similar caliber defensemen have earned this summer, that 4 mil won't be enough to keep him. So expect even more changes from the Philadelphia in the next coming weeks. But that wraps up another episode. And now we've dealt with all the free agent signings, trades and buyouts so far. So you should have some kind of picture of how the league is looking at this point. Lots of new faces in new places, but if you remember, I told you that it was going to be banana lands this offseason. And it surely has been exactly that. Expect even more moves during the rest of the offseason since many teams are struggling with cap space and a few major names are still without contracts for the next season. If I missed any of the major deals or signings, I'm very very sorry, but as you can see, it was a challenge to gather all the events of the past month. But hope you appreciate the work I put into these few episodes, because I can assure you it didn't come through by itself. I'm very excited for the next season and knowing that some big deals could still be looming around the league, so excitement grows the closer we get to the start of the next season. Thank you my friend once again for listening and hopefully you've enjoyed this walkthrough of each individual team and hopefully I've given you some insight into where teams currently stand when it comes to their contract situations. I'll keep you on track with the future signings and trades so don't worry I got you buddy. But with all that said you know the drill by now. Stay tuned. Stay safe. Until next time, all right.